Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new fantastic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is my jolly old co-host, uh, Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for that Santa Claus-like description of me. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, you're talking about a fantastic episode. We better deliver on this. Who do we have as a guest today? Well, we have the uh, high-energy Jessica Hetrick. She is the Cyber Strategy and Resilience uh, Leader at Optiv, uh, yeah. based in Phoenix, Arizona. Awesome. Uh, really looking forward to having her on the show. I think it's going to be an absolutely fantastic conversation. Let's bring her on. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, I know Chris and I are really looking forward to this conversation, and uh, I thought maybe we'd start with you sharing a little bit about yourself, you know, sharing your personal and career narrative, just so our viewers and listeners can get to learn a little bit more about you. Absolutely. No, I'm very excited to be here. Um, a little bit about me, though. Um, so I actually went to military school. I have a very unique uh, unique college experience and that I went to the Citadel. Um, I played volleyball. It's a D1 school, not super big D1, but uh, played volleyball. So you'll hear the kind of team sports part of me come out a little bit, that coach side, just a little bit throughout the conversation. Apparently it's a pretty normal thing for me. Um, but no, I, I played volleyball in college, uh, D1. I went fr straight from the Citadel into the FBI. Um, I had some really great points of contact and I got the opportunity to not only intern while I was in school and then started my career with them uh, more on the analytic side. And uh, I got asked by my boss, she said, hey, you want to do cyber? And I said, I don't know what that means. Sure. Um, and that's where actually my career in cyber started, which is well, well more than a decade ago now. Um, I did cybersecurity investigations for both the criminal and the national security side of the house with the bureau. From there, I, I really wanted to hit something proactive. I really, I, I saw the adversary, you know, all the bad guys out there. We focused on strategic threats uh, out of the field office that I worked in. And I really wanted to do something more proactive. And so I actually started to talk to some of um, some of the law enforcement officers, my, my coworkers, and started to really get a good feel for what the intelligence community, community could actually give you. And so I joined the CIA uh, and I actually went and uh, supported operations out of the director of digital innovation. Um, I got to do all kinds of really fun things and maybe over a beer, I'll share some stories, but only maybe. Um, no, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my time with the agency and then life happened and I wanted to be back in sunny Phoenix, Arizona, which is where I'm currently located. Um, I joined, I got married. I joined a fortune 200 organization, did the whole white picket fence thing. I have two wonderful dogs who may or may not make an appearance on the show. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I decided to join a fortune 200 organization and got to sit on the client side. I got to support management of, uh, a third party Provider, I ran. I got to do all kinds of things, sort of, of a threat hunting program, threat intelligence, worked incident management. Got to do a lot of different, really unique things, and I was fortunate enough to have a very forward-leaning CISO. Uh, and then I realized I wanted to have more of a broad understanding, so I joined Cisco Telus, where I was a senior global incident response commander, and I helped Cisco's clients on their worst days. I got to see some really bad ransomware cases. I got to, you know, help clients and partner with them and think a little bit different about how to solve their, their really big problems that they were dealing with at that time. And of course, everybody's hair was on fire. So it wasn't so much solve the problem, it was fix it. And uh, and it, was, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily methodical all the time. And so I really, I, I went back and forth between reactive and proactive in my career. I really wanted to get back to proactive. And so I joined Optive 
um, almost two years ago now, to really sit more on that proactive side. And, uh, and I get to help uh, lead our cyber resilience practice here. First of all, you have the most amazing energy, Jessica. That's absolutely fantastic. And I'm that's almost, actually the best career narrative I think we've ever yeah, had. Yeah, we've ever had. We've asked that question for so long. And I'm certain we've never had someone who's been in the FBI and CIA. So um, you, know, you, you get that uh, kudos as well. <laughs> so suddenly, we have reason to be super intimidated yeah. in, this, in this conversation. Uh, the, 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 these, two Can- these two Canadians are suddenly a little more nervous. So. <laughs> oh, no, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I was actually in Canada, in Toronto at Sector. I got to present at Sector, gosh, it was like two weeks, two, three weeks ago now. And I'm going to be in Ottawa this next weekend. I'm super oh, excited. Cool. I love Canada. Well, we're out in Vancouver, so we're it's that's a short five five day drive. Yeah, from that's, a, that's still, <laughs> yeah, that's other country. So if you're ever out out west here, you, you let us know. <laughs> my my uh, <laughs> grandfather-in-law was in the RCMP, so I'm sure I've I'm sure I have contacts somewhere along the way. I'll just crazy yeah. small world. <laughs> Back across Canada. <laughs> that is so, so awesome. crazy. So our show is called Cybersecurity Matters, and you've just done actually a great job in your story of explaining some reasons why it matters with these crazy ransomware situations. Um, when we're talking about defining the threat, like why are we even having this conversation? Uh, what are cyber criminals after and, and how do they go about getting what they're looking for? Yeah, great question. Um, so there's lots of different motivations. I'm going to chunk them by probably the most common ones. Uh, you could have a lot of there's a lot of, a lot of sub motivations, but I'll I'll give the, give the broad strokes. The big one, and I think the most glaring one, is that financial gain. Um, adversaries, uh, the bad guy, they love money. Everybody needs money, right? And so they're going financially after after targets. Um, they might be also doing it from a political motivation perspective. Espionage can very heavily be driven politically. It could be to steal information data processes or um, or different types of, uh, you know, industry information. They're going to look to just steal that information so then they can have it and ultimately capitalize on it. Or it could be political motivation in, uh, in ultimately deterrence, disruption, uh, even destruction of information online um, to, uh, to, you know, in the case of the Russias of the world, there's like this tit for tat mentality and uh, it might be to directly impact in a different way. You also have then, of course, the um, anonymouses of the world that are sometimes doing things for recognition or popularity or notoriety. So you have um, some of that, you know, wanting to have that presence. You'll, you'll see that a lot with like um, online uh, fake web pages and spoofing, et cetera. Um, and then there's, of course, the insider risk. And the insider risk is also broken down into really the purposeful insider risk, the disgruntled employee, that person who wants to impact the organization um, that they were from or are from. Um, and then there's the coincidental or accidental, which is probably more more common than not. The second part of your question, though, has to do with how they do it. And I'm going to go actually to that human error thing right off the bat. Adversaries are typically going to take advantage of two things. It's going to be the human error piece or the technology error piece. The human error piece is about 90% of the time where they're taking advantage of the behavioral or social or ethical factor, um, you know, phishing, spear phishing, smishing, uh, I mean, phishing, you keep going with the letters in front of ishing and you're pretty much there from social engineering perspective. Um, and all of those components are taking advantage of the human behind the keyboard. Um, on the flip side, the technology component, you're going to have legacy tech or vulnerabilities that might exist with, uh, within the environment that the adversary is going to try to exploit to gain access to the system. Um, but it's that it's really those two components that they're going to try to break down, take advantage of in order to accomplish that motivation that they're after. Really well put. Thank you so much for that. 
All right, on to the next question and probably the most important question. I'm thinking about companies that you have worked with and that you work with. So Optiv obviously provides this host of solutions that are that are very well integrated, interconnected with one another, but solutions imply that there are problems to to resolve. So what are what is the predicament of your clients um, before you help them? What are some of the challenges that they have when it comes to their cybersecurity? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and I I can tell you that it's an it's a huge range. Uh, so at Optiv, I sit in the services side of the house. I um, ultimately help build cool programs for clients. I um, I'm able to uh, provide custom or bespoke services for my clients uh, based off of where they're at and where they want to go. Um, and so I see a range of uh, I see a range of capabilities. Everything from the infancy of programs and building from scratch, needing to understand not only how to start with a vision or identify and define the vision, build the policy and the roadmap behind the program overall, um, initiate cybersecurity awareness training. I can see things that, that, that start in that very, what, what would be probably considered relatively basic category. Then you move to the intermediate clients who have, who have capabilities and have some maturity, but are looking to grow and evolve um, where they're going to do a lot of identification of key gaps um, to understand how to leverage their resources better, take it, take advantage of opportunities. Um, they're going to look to prioritize their environment um, and overall reduce risk and communicate that to the board on a more regular basis. And then we'll see clients in the heavily advanced or, or much more mature space um, where they are identifying uh, not only possible areas for investment, but how to prioritize different technologies within their environment. They might be pulling together Key elements associated with most probable, most like most probable or likely, whichever term you prefer, versus most impact. And so there's going to be weighting factors from a risk quantification perspective that more mature clients will go through. And we see that range. And ultimately, um, you know, my my job at Adoptive is to help clients take whatever wherever they're at, whichever three of those categories they fit into, and build what they where they want to go. Some organizations are going to look to invest more heavily in cybersecurity uh, because they want to be more mature. But that does come with a monetary component, whereas other organizations are not going to make necessarily as big of a monetary investment. And rather, they're going to look to identify the key risk areas that they can reduce and weigh how much money they do or don't spend in the cybersecurity space. Again, my goal is to help meet clients where they're at and get them to where they want to go. So we do see that range. Jessica, I'm curious. You know, with 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 your clients, do you find um, many of them are are becoming more proactive in terms of their investment in cybersecurity, or is it still driven primarily by reactive measures, whether it be you know regulatory measures, or they got hit by a data breach or ransomware? Uh, I'm curious to, in terms of what, what what you're seeing. Yeah, that's a great question. So, so I actually believe it or not, I've seen both sides of that. Um, a lot lately. A lot of organizations, and, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about this today, um, a lot of organizations who are looking at resilience and recovery tend to sit a little bit more on that proactive side where they're wanting to get ahead of the adversary. And I really appreciate that space. Obviously, I'm very passionate about it. Um, uh, but, I, but I think innately, most organizations, and I would say a good majority right now, which you know I would say greater than 50% of the clients that I deal with, have something that occurred or has occurred in the past or may, may be occurring or they're worried about occurring in the very near future. Um, and they're reacting to something of that nature, right? There's, uh, like you said, there's a new policy in the U.S. We have, you know, the SEC guidelines coming down the pipeline, uh, new changes in that, in that 
world and that will drive a lot of shift um, on the other side of the house. You know, it could be they were actually impacted by ransomware. And so they're going to stand up um, what a resilience program would look like and enact different policies and procedures to make sure they're able to recover next time. So it's, um, it, I would say it's a, it's a little bit of both and it really does depend on kind of how you look at it. Um, the proactive versus reactive mindset is um, there, there's a fine line between the two components. So you could argue um, that something is proactive if you're getting ahead of, you know, a guideline that's coming down the pipeline, even though you're technically reacting to knowing the guidelines coming. So it does depend on how people define those two terms. But we are starting to see a little bit of a shift towards more of that proactive space. Um, again, I, because I sit in strategy, I get the opportunity to kind of strategize with my clients on that more kind of proactive basis. So I'm, I'm excited about that and really glad to be seeing that. Well, that's, that's a very interesting answer. Um, I appreciate that insight and wisdom. And you know, I, I, well, one last question before we, we let you on with, with your day. Um, I'm curious, you know, I, I love how you have the word resilience in, there, uh, in your resilient leader in, in your uh, title. When it comes to cyber risk resilience and getting organizations to understand that concept, um, I'm curious sort of how, how you get them there. Because there's still a lot of organizations and business leaders who view success in cybersecurity as the absence of any incident, right? If, they, if you have a, an incident, a security incident, then you failed at at, uh, at security. H- how do you sort of bring your clients to that journey of understanding that cybersecurity should be measured more so from a resilience perspective rather than the absence of any security incidents? I love how you said that. I am 100% aligned with that thought because in, in today's day and age, it's not an if, it's a when. And I think a lot of clients are now saying that phrase but not necessarily taking that and contextualizing it. And resilience as a term and as something in the cybersecurity space, as a concept, has been around for a long time. But it's actually a huge mindset shift. We talk about people, processes, and technology in the resilience spectrum, but we tend to only do the technology piece of the resilience angle. And resilience is all about understanding your preparedness and your ability to recover. So how do you harden your environment? How do you strengthen your defenses proactively, how you can get ahead of the adversary activity, but also how you reduce impact when something occurs. And so I actually really like the phrase weather the storm. Um, you know, you, you can ebb and flow. And I, I imagine, um, you know, the, uh, there's the those blow up uh, <laughs> the, the car, <laughs> car signs or whatever. That's what I imagine. I, I imagine like I'm literally blowing in the wind, but never having that valve shut off. And you're always able to weather the storm. And I think resilience needs to be not only more important than ever, but because adversaries continue to advance, because backups are being targeted, because uh, the uh, the entire threat landscape is exploding with IoT and OT devices, we have to be willing to shift our mindset, shift our culture to take a more programmatic approach to what resilience is and understand how to implement a truly resilient strategy, which goes into you know looking and prioritizing your systems your data, your applications, understanding the business that you work for, right? Cybersecurity is a business enabler. It's a team sport through and through, but it also has to enable the business. And ultimately, when you're talking about resilience, you need to look at that kind of evolution of uh, supporting the business first. And I think that that one's a big, a really important piece. You have, you know, resilience is a weathering the storm component, but it's the business weathering the storm and how we can ultimately in cybersecurity enable that weathering. 
that was a fantastic way to, to wrap up our conversation for today, Jessica. Krishna, I are very grateful for you uh, for joining us on, on the show today. Uh, I know our viewers and listeners are going to absolutely enjoy it. Uh, I have enjoyed every single minute of this. So thank you again so much for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Jessica. Awesome. And Krishna and I will be right back to wrap up today's episode. The word wow comes to mind, like the, 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 the wisdom, the energy, the intensity, um, the fact that she worked for the FBI and CIA, like it's just, just an absolutely incredible conversation. I was blown away by uh, her experience and mm-hmm. sort of the, the candor and the level of uh, depth that she was answering those questions. But um, curious to, to your takeaways. Yeah, on that point, I mean, it's, it's crazy, the blend of experience there and how it seems to work so perfectly well when it comes to cyber, which is so something that, uh, you know, Jessica did not have the history in before until it was introduced to her. Um, you know, for me, even her title, and I think you you touched on this during the conversation, her st- the strategy and the, and the resilience piece coming together that that so resonates with me, and also how uh, Jessica delineated between that uh, basic and the intermediate and the more advanced and mature organizations, the different approaches when you're at those different levels. Uh, absolutely, and we're we're very grateful to Jessica uh, for joining us on the podcast today. And uh, as always, we want to extend a very special thank you to our sponsors, Telus and Optive, uh, for sponsoring the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Uh, if you uh, happen to miss a previous episode, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page, and or check out old episodes on your favorite podcasting platform. But until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again sometime in the near future on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Optive is the cyber advisory and solutions leader, delivering strategic and technical expertise to nearly 6,000 companies across every major industry. We partner with organizations to advise, deploy, and operate complete cybersecurity programs from strategy and managed security services to risk integration and technology solutions. At Optive, we manage cyber risk so you can secure your full potential. For more information, visit Optiv.com. This week's episode of Cybersecurity Matters is brought to you by TELUS Business. The 2022 TELUS Canadian Ransomware Study highlights and busts some common myths about ransomware, like the myth that some organizations are too small to be a target. The study data shows that in the past 12 months, 61% of businesses with 50 to 149 employees experienced a ransomware incident. The reality is, if you have data, you are a target for ransomware. To manage your risk, proactively invest in ransomware controls and develop an incident response plan. This ensures you can conduct business with confidence, knowing that even if you're targeted, you have the protections and processes in place to limit the impact to your organization, employees, and customers. To learn more about how ransomware is affecting organizations like yours, visit telus.com slash ransomware study to get your free copy today. Tell us business, cybersecurity that works for you.